these particular um, customers then came back about a month later and walked straight up to the kitchen and said, you are a very smart man. And I said, what's wrong? And they said, we can't eat pizza anywhere else. We got so used to eating your pizza that everywhere else that we went to didn't taste the same. And so that just cemented that Neapolitan pizza, you either love it from the get-go or you don't. And if you don't, you can grow into actually really understanding and loving it, but it takes a little bit of time. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Success in any field rarely, if ever, happens overnight. But what does it take to be the best? Not just great at what you do, but considered by your peers as the pinnacle of your vocation. And what impact does that have on you when you reach those lofty heights? Johnny DeFrancesco is the owner of the Grady Group, which includes 11 restaurants, 400 Grady, Zero Grady and Grady Mercado. Johnny, how are you going? Good, mate. How are you? I'm good. You've won some pretty crazy accolades in your career, including the very best in the world. What's it feel like, like knowing that that's happened? What sort of impact has that had on you? Um, I think the impact mainly is um, self-gratification, uh, really, because, you know, you go through your whole career um you know, doing what you love every single day and, and you strive to be the best and, you know, you get your ups and downs and then to have, um, you know, uh, been able to have achieved an, an accolade of such sort of uh, gives you that, um, you know, that self sort of confidence and understanding that, you know, you, 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 your craft and your, all the years of ha- your hard work has just um, been noticed, uh, not only locally but around the world. Um, and that I think that's the hardest thing for most professionals, especially people that are, are genuinely passionate about what they do and and what they um, you know what they're trying to achieve in their life. So, yeah, amazing achievement. Um, you know, and I always say it wasn't only for myself, but uh, even for the whole of Australia, you know, putting us on the map that we do know how to, um, you know, do things really well like anyone else. Well, I want to have a look at some of those um, accolades that you have received and, and how that impacted everything that you do beyond that. But take us way back to when you were young. What was food like for you and when were you, did you first get interested in it? So, look, my story is probably not, not the uh, cliche uh, chef story that, you know, love food when I was a kid and, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, to be honest with you, I, I fell into the into the industry because I wanted to buy myself a pair of Nike runners. And, and, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the, uh, that's the, the, you know, the absolute truth. I mean, you know, I grew up in a family where we couldn't afford things. So, you know, I had to uh, go out and, and uh, fetch these things for myself. And the only way to do it was to, you know, go out and work. And, um, you know, I was 12 years old, went out there, got my first job in hospitality and worked my, uh, my butt off for six months and, um, and bought my first, uh, you know, sneakers that I wanted to buy, um, you know. So that, that was the first taste of the industry for me. But uh, food at home, I mean, food at home, I mean, I come from a European background, so, you know, Italian background, you can imagine the 
the the food that we're eating every day was just like what what people see today is amazing was normal for us you know my my grandmother was cooking my mother was cooking my father was a really good uh, cook so you know for us it was it was very very uh, a family orientated um, situation when you're at the dining uh, at the dinner table you are uh, you know, dining with conversation and, you know, enjoying the fruits of uh, of what your culture has been able to bring to the table. And so really food has been, you know, part of my life, like many people, um, you know, f- forever. What led to uh, pizza for you? What were, the, what were the stepping stones that drew you to um, go over to Naples and learn the craft? Look, cooking, you know, cooking for many years and, and um, I saw a bit of a gap in the market where pizza was seen as uh, fast food or, you know, your your sort of uh, that, that Friday night takeaway or, you know, that quick catch-up. And I thought there's got to be more to this product. I mean, you know, I've been making it for many years and, uh, and, and I love the product, you know, with all my heart, to be honest with you. And, and I'm thinking – there's got to be so much more behind what people say is a simple product. And um, my father was from, uh, from Naples and he passed away about 14 years ago. And I never, um, you know, every time I talked to him about pizza, he would always say to me, Oh, the pizzas in Naples, I miss the pizzas in Naples. And I thought, I need to research this more. And uh, I just took off and um, and and did my my little tour around Naples and worked at some of the best pizzerias and learnt off some of the best people and just fell in love with it. You know, from the time or from the minute I, I landed in Naples and ate my first pizza. What sort of impact did that experience have on you? What did you take away from that? <laughs> so, so the first time that I um I sat there and and ate this pizza and then the first time I I went into the kitchen to, um you know, start making or, you know, learning how to make Neapolitan pizza, I, I thought to myself, oh, my God, whatever I've learned, I need to forget right now. Uh, you know, it, it was like a, it was like I was starting from the beginning all over again. Um, and that was pretty much the impact, was a shock to the system of, like, I thought I knew a lot. I actually know a very, very small amount about this product. Well, tell us um, what those differences were. What what makes a great pizza from from that region? Look, if we talk about the region, you know there there are a lot of differences. When we talk about the water, the fresh fresh mozzarella, the the tomatoes that come from San Marzano, there there are so many different um, aspects in building this this simple product. And if we talk about just a margarita, you know, people say, oh, margarita is simple. It's actually one of the hardest pizzas to make in the world. Um, but learning all about the, the way the flour reacts, the way the yeast reacts, what does the salt do? Why is the water pH levels really important? Why is the protein gluten content in the flour really important? Why, why is it important to mix for X amount of time and not too much longer or not? less than that to get to a certain temperature of where your dough is supposed to um, or a, a finished dough temperature. That way your dough can uh, rise but also mature. What is the difference between maturing and what is the difference between rising? These are all the things that, you know, I learned while I was there digging really deep into um, all these little technical tricks. I mean, you know, a lot of people here in Australia, 
prior to Neapolitan pizza exploding, um, you know, would put flour, water, yeast um, uh, together and, you know, mix away and let it rise in the fridge maybe or let it rise outside for a little bit. But we really didn't understand why we were doing um, certain things in certain ways and and, and certain um, order as well. And, and, you know, understanding that and getting really deep into the fundamentals of, of all of these little intricate little things is what makes the pizza what it is today or what it's always been in Naples, but what it is today in, in, in Australia compared to what it was maybe 20 years ago. You came back to Australia and you opened 400 Grady and you gained a very fast, um, amazing reputation as Mr. Pizza Man. What was that period of time like with that rapid growth and the um, attention that you were receiving? Um, look, at the start, it was super difficult. Um, I remember the first 18 months of opening, you know, we were getting very limited people in our restaurant um, and, the, and the people that were coming into the restaurant. And, and this includes reviewers were coming in and, and really not um, understanding the product and, and, you know, not giving us rave reviews or not um, not accepting the product because they – they thought Italian pizza was a thin and crispy base with just a little bit of topping on there. They weren't used to, you know, that puffy edge, that softness, how the how Neapolitan pizza folds really easily and, and it's soft in your mouth, uh, et cetera. So people were describing it that way, but were, were were quite negative about it. And I was and I would read all these comments thinking, oh my God, you've actually described the pizza the way it should actually be. But you're but you've spoken negative about it. And this is where I then started to wonder, I wonder if it's the pizza or if it's people's palates, because we're so used to eating something completely different and and having something new um takes a little bit of getting used to. So what I started doing was um challenging people to come back three times for free. Um be, because I wanted them to really understand what the product should taste like. And I had a, a, a particular um, customer that I did this to and, um, you know, because I saw that they didn't eat the pizza and and I thought, there's got to be another way for me to, you know, sort of translate this across on why it's such a beautiful pizza. And I said, look, come back another couple of times on me, um, you know, and, and, and then after that, you don't have to come back if you don't like it. And they did that. They came back three times and I said, okay, you know, you've, held your end of the bargain, I've held my end of the bargain, you don't need to come back anymore, you know? And they're like, what? And I said, well, you know, you didn't like it at the start, so you don't have to come back anymore, right? I said, we're, we're both sort of, you know, mutually agreed from the beginning and it's great now. So the, the these particular um, customers then came back about a month later and walked straight up to the kitchen and said, you are a very smart man. And I said, what's wrong? And they said, we can't eat pizza anywhere else. <laughs> we got so used to eating your pizza that everywhere else that we went to didn't taste the same. And so that just cemented that Neapolitan pizza, you either love it from the get-go or you don't. And if you don't, you can grow into actually really understanding and loving it, but it takes a little bit of time. So you've got to sort of have it more than once. You can't just eat it one time only. Um, yeah, so 
it was a really tough, tough 18 months, um, to be honest, at the start. But uh, we then expanded into a, a, another um, side of the restaurant. So we made it a little bit bigger. We we're only a 50-seater. We got into about a 150-seater, a little bit more presence on the street. And people just started to come in because I got a really bad review from a prominent um, uh, reviewer, which I won't mention his name. He's not around anymore, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't want to give him. I don't want to give him any marketing uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on your on your podcast. Um, but he gave me a really bad review, and my phones went off the hook because they took a photo of my pizza, put it in the paper, and you know Australians are really well travelled, right? So a lot of people had uh, been on holidays in either Positano or Napoli or in that Campania region, and they were calling saying, the photo in the uh, in the paper, is that actually how you make your pizzas? And we were like, yes. So it's Neapolitan pizza. Yes, book us a table. And that's how it all started from that bad review. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So, so uh, from then, uh, from that time on, we just um, we just kept doing what we knew how to do, and um, we haven't looked back. And you know, 2014 obviously came, and and uh, I competed and won the world championship, and that just cemented it. You know, sort of put the what do they say, the nail on the uh, coffin. What was that competition like? There were 600 chefs from 35 countries, and you did a margarita. Yeah, really tough. Um, you know, you've got you've got about uh, one, two, three, about about eight eight judges um, that, and and they they're all judging a different aspect of your ability. So your technical ability, so your tech, your, how how technical you are, um, how, how what is your understanding behind um, your uh, knowledge on dough. So, you know, do you understand about the W ratings and the yeast, uh, how that works and the maturity and the, and et cetera, et cetera. So they test you on that. Then they uh, test you on your preparation, how clean you are, how you present yourself. Do you clean the oven? Is your bench clean? Is your ingredients set up really well? And then they, t- they, um, they judge you on your technique on how you use your oven, how you cook your pizza. And also your timing has to be between 60 and 90 seconds. Once you've gone through that, then you present your pizza to a separate, yeah, you, you present your pizza to a separate um, panel of judges where they then critique um, the taste, the texture, um, and and then they drill you again on, on your technical ability behind, um, you know, your, your dough technique, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then once you've done that, they put their scores together. The judges don't talk. They don't see each other. It's 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 one of the hardest competitions in the world, or probably is the hardest. Well, they say you can um, know how great a pizza maker is by their margarita. What what, what is the secret to that? Um, <laughs> major secret to this is using the best ingredients possible and doing very little to it. And when I say that, we're talking buying the best um, mozzarella buying the best tomato, um, using fresh uh, basil, extra virgin olive oil, and then your dough. And the reason why they say you can tell a really good pizza uh, by eating a margarita is because you can't hide behind those ingredients. Your dough is exposed and you will be able to tell whether it's been cooked right or not. 
and whether it's been uh, or whether it's gone through the right process of maturity and and uh, and uh, and rising, or it hasn't. Um, so that's why they say margarita. But I actually say that the hardest pizza to make and a really good one to judge people on is the marinara. Um, and that, and we're not talking about a pizza with with seafood on it, right? <laughs> we're, we're talking about a, a pizza basically with uh, tomato, um, oregano, garlic, and extra virgin olive oil. Well, that competition must have been a lot of pressure. Describe the moment that you were declared the winner. To be honest with you, I'm in the um, in the hall waiting, or in the in the um, in the room while they're doing all the um, nominations and. When they announced the um, the winner of the best um, Neapolitan pizza in the world, and they said my name, I actually didn't hear it because you know when you're sort of not, you're thinking I, you know, it's it, it's a great experience, but you're never going to win. Um, I actually had a guy next to me that was from the US, and he was like punching my shoulder, like, "Mate, you need to get up. You just won." And I was like, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was uh, a, a massive surprise. Well, with all of the amazing accolades that you have won, I think one of the most interesting ones is the best pizzeria outside of Italy because it's not just about you and the and your pizza-making ability. What sort of impact has that had on you and your team? Um, an amazing impact. You know, uh, the the morale of the, the team has just gone through the roof. You know, they're part of, they're part of something that, we all had to play our own little part in, um, and it wasn't just something that depended on one person. You know, we, we've got we've got a, a full team of of uh, you know in the restaurant where the service was judged, the 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 product was judged, the the ambience was judged. You know, the whole lot, and to to win the best outside of Italy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful feeling for, for all the staff. And, and when I say all the staff, I'm talking all the way from reception, all the way to, um, you know, your kitchen hand, you know, and uh, people say to me, oh, you know, why the kitchen? Well, the, without the kitchen hand, you're not going to get clean plates, glasses, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So they're a major part of our team. Um, so, you know, as much as everyone always tries to, um, give, you know the the praise and 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 the awards etc to a chef you know behind every good chef is an awesome uh team you know it's not just about that one person and to win this one outside of italy i mean the whole team really you know they they were they were you know blown away they couldn't believe it what sort of impact has this had on you over the years and the pressure to maintain a certain standard given such high accolades look i think you know and, and and i think most people that know me really really well that have known me throughout my whole career they've never seen a change in what i do um the way i've been from the time i opened um let's say the the, the grady group brand we've always strived to do better each day each week each month each year um, you know, my, my, a lot of my staff say to me, Johnny, you know, don't you think we, we've gotten to, um, you know, a, a great level? Uh, and, and I always say, look, we can always strive to be a little bit better. And, it, and it's only the 1%. We're not talking about being, you know, 
you know, take it to another level where it's so noticeable. But every, you know, every time we try and do something, just concentrate on the one percenters, nothing more than that, nothing more and nothing less. And those one percenters over a long, long period of time, you'll find that you grow without even realizing that you're doing things in a better way. Um, and we've been doing that forever. You know, I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm talking, we're, we're talking about from everywhere, from the way our, our restaurants look, the way our service model is, the uh, what we purchase, you know, what, what products we're putting, we're putting uh, in our dishes. You know, I'm, I'm crazy. I'll go to Italy when we were able to do, I was going to Italy two, three times a year because I was trying to find the, a better tomato than what I had. And I'm always doing that, you know, and, 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 and it, you know, importing water to make our dough, you know, that why am I doing that? It's because it's, it's just the way I think I'm wired. I'm not going to rest and say, Oh, you know what? We've hit the top. That's great. You know, and when it, wherever it takes us, it takes us. I never think that we've ever hit the top. I always strive to be better than 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 myself. So I'm, I'm my own biggest competition, if if uh, if that makes any sense. Well, the Grady Group is quite large now, eleven restaurants and in multiple uh, locations and and countries. Even what's been the challenges of of that growth and operating so many sites? Mm, um, training, you know, we. I, I invest a lot of time um, in training. I think trying to trying to get people to really understand the brand as well, um, that it's not just a a chain or a or a, a group that's just growing because they you know they, they're growing. Um, for us, every individual site um, is individual, so every single restaurant has to have its own personality. Has to you know we got to make sure that the culture is is right and that's the hardest thing the biggest challenge for us is being being able to transfer the original culture into every single location um, it takes a lot of effort takes a lot of time but that's something that we've always strived to um, to achieve it's it's really difficult anything I mean I think that's the 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 most important thing in any any uh, restaurant group that's trying to grow is is molding the culture and and having the right people in the right positions you know because you can train people on how to cook your food or how how to execute that and the service model etc you can do that that's fine i mean there's brands around the world that have been able to do that but i find that when people grow and expand into more than one two three plus sites the culture starts to become affected, not so much the product. So for me, it's it's been the challenge of we got to continue this culture. We got to continue, you know, making people fall in love with our brand, like it's the the first restaurant that we're opening. Your restaurants and include and also your offering goes far beyond just pizzas. You've You've also got um, gelato and you've also got the Italian market. Tell us about about those operations and how they came about. So um, Zero Gravity came about. I was in uh, Positano. I was, uh, I, was, I was having a break and went into a gelateria and I just fell in love with uh, gelato. I mean, you know, I've always loved gelato, but while I was there, and, and I think it's, you know, the cliche that you're on holidays and, you know, you're sort of relaxed. And I went into this place and I saw this guy who was – 
he was the owner of the um the gelateria and it was the funniest episode i've ever seen i actually went back every single day while i was there because i just wanted to keep seeing this guy do this <laughs> he would sit at his register he was the person collecting the money he had a microphone in his hand and he kept singing the same song over and over and over again it was absolute entertainment at its best and uh, <laughs> and so but i just fell in love with what he was doing and and his product was outstanding i mean you know this guy was making gelato and gelato cakes and cakes and and uh and pastries etc for you know kings queens and and uh you know the, the elite of the elite um around europe um so i walked away and i thought i'm i'm I need to do a gelati concept. This is uh, this is too much fun. I love it. Um, so that's what we did, and we opened up Zero Grad, and it's been it's been a great success. We do concentrate on real real artisan um, style gelato. Um, you know, using amazing ingredients. I've I've even created my own base. So it's not a it's not a base where you can just buy off the shelf. It's it's uh, something that that was created by us. Um, so it's quite unique. So we're we're now implementing that in um, you know in either little micro um, spaces or big spaces like we've just opened up our recent one down at um, at Crown, huge uh, offering, um, beautiful space and and uh, and yeah we we're, we're just going to continue uh, expanding that that uh, concept because it's uh, it's just a fun concept. What makes great gelato? You know, it all starts off with the base, and I think it's the same fundamentals as as um, as anything. And if you break down, you know, food, it always starts off with the base ingredients of what you're using. Um, you know, uh, making sure that you're you're pasteurizing and, and maturing your base. Um, you know, over a certain amount of time, that's really important, and that's what we do. We don't we don't just churn our gelato when we're when we're cooking our base. Um, that has a, a minimum of um, 24 hour um, uh, maturity and then you know using really really good ingredients you know if you if you if you're making a, a, a fruit uh, based sorbet which um, uh, which which we're really really well known for you know like if you ever get a chance to try our sorbet it tastes like you're eating a gelato with um, uh, with uh, like a cream based gelato which it's not it's it's a water-based uh, uh, sorbet, um, but we're using really good fresh uh, fruits, and we've also got a technique on how we um, uh, we churn our gelato to make it um, creamy. So it's not an icy sort of sorbet. Um, wow! Yeah, yeah. So these are little little things that make a big difference. I say. The last year and a half has been uh, challenging for many on the planet, and also the hospitality sector. But during this time, uh, you opened uh, Grady Mercato. Tell us a bit about about that. It was a um, about a twenty four hour um, concept. It, it was uh, we 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 literally put it together within 24 hours and i'm talking from saying we're opening a mercato to opening it it took us 24 hours um and this was prior to lockdown and the reason why that sort of um came about was because my son has been living in italy for seven years and i started seeing the trend of lockdowns there and i said to my wife they're going to lock us down here um and if they lock us down no restaurant Maybe we're going to do takeaway, but we're going to have to get into something that's essential. And the only thing that I can think of is like a supermarket. 
So um, we found a, an old warehouse on Ligon Street, rang the agent and said, mate, this has been for lease for, for, for about a year. Would you do a, short, a short-term lease? I want to open up a little um, supermarket. And he said, look, no problem. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine. And we did it, opened it. We set it all up with pallets. Uh, we had all our, um, we had some fridges, like some drink fridges set up. We had a counter, et cetera. And we started making um, our own ready-made meals, you know, pre-made pizzas, et cetera. And we also had some, you know, um, uh, dry pasta. We had fresh pasta. So it was, it's it's a mini, it's sort of like a, a mini supermarket. And um, so we set that up within 24 hours, opened the doors and lockdown then started a few days later. And, um, and it, you know, that sort of helped us get through um, – through through the lockdown, to be honest with you, um, and from there, it was amazing how we started getting other supermarket brands come in and um, inquire about us producing for them, and um, and I started thinking this is this is crazy. And then I had a, a customer that came and bought a lasagna. I'll never forget. I was eat, I was making a pizza, and he just came over to see how I was. What are you doing? You know, are you okay? Had you know how the restaurants and you know we just started talking and. And I, and I said, and I was being polite. I said, "What do you do?" And he said, "Oh, you know, I'm a buyer for a su- for supermarkets, etc." I said, "Oh, yeah." And he goes, "Look, I love the products. Are you interested in getting your products into a few different supermarkets?" And I said, "That'll be great." I said, "As well." He said, "Look, the process is long, but you know, let me come and talk to you about it." And uh, we sat down, and um, something that normally takes about eight eight to nine months to set up and we're talking, you know, barcodes, all that sort of stuff that we need to do and all the, all the accreditations. Um, we got it done in four weeks and, um, and we, we are now in, uh, uh, IGAs, Coles, um, a lot of independents around the country and, uh, looking at possibly another major, uh, chain talking to us at the moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> So it's pretty crazy. With with the success that you've had and the incredible accolades and the influence in Australia, how have the local Italian community supported you? They've been great. I mean, you know, we I'm part of the um, Italian Chambers and, um, you know, they've been a, a really good support as well. I mean, there's some great people in that Chambers as well that, you know, that love um, sort of celebrating the success of um, – of Australian Italians, which is great because, uh, you know, that support factor I think is really important to any business, you know, regardless what community you're part of. Um, you know, if you if you don't have your own community supporting you and backing you, I mean, it, 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 it sort of becomes a little bit um, dark uh, at stages. So so having a bit of that support, it's it's actually quite quite nice. I know you're a bit of a perfectionist and you're your harshest critic, but what do you love about what you do? I, the excitement. I, I love creating. I love seeing new things evolve um, from from just a, a simple idea or, you know, an idea over a glass of wine and then it ends up being something that you never thought that it would be um, because you, you had only sort of limited expectations and then you get this massive uh, outcome out of, uh, uh, of this small idea. For me, that that 
is the 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 ticker for me. It just drives me to want to do more. I, I I love I love seeing things um, evolve and create. I just that's that's just been me since I was a kid. The last year and a half has been challenging, and you've had some new opportunities and opened the big new gelato place and the market as well. What's what's what are your plans? What are you looking forward to over the next couple of years? Uh, we've got a couple of exciting things happening. I'm just about to open um, a really beautiful restaurant in Mornington um, over a couple of levels, and and we've actually got all our three concepts uh, under one roof at uh, at this one. So it's going to be the first of of uh, that type of concept. Um, and we're just working on now. Uh, it, it's actually just started uh, building. Um, we're building a new restaurant in uh, Mildura. So we're going out um, regional. Yeah. Does does that change the product that you're offering or are you uh, sticking to um, what you do with most of your establishments? Well, the one in Mornington, we're going to be concentrating a lot more on, um, on seafood. Um, you know, obviously we'll still have our staples and, and our pizza, et cetera, but we've, We've um, we've built our, our kitchen a little bit different here. We're going to have beautiful Jasper where we're going to cook a lot of our um, food, um, you know, in in, in uh, with coal. Um, we have a, a, a good bar menu. Where yeah, so we're 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 going to step it up a little bit more and um, and hopefully, you know, translate that across to the other other locations um, just one by one. Well, I know uh, you explained how the margarita is so important to know if someone is an amazing pizza maker, but um, I can't let you go without asking what your favourite um, pizza is and what sort of toppings you have on it. Look, undoubtedly my favourite pizza is a margarita. That's, you know, I just I just love, love that simplicity. Um, but when I do get a little bit, uh, you know, what's, what's the word, a little bit... Um, creative or <laughs> I, I probably you know for me a little bit of uh, salami but you know I, i'm a little bit crazy when it comes to my toppings i if i have salami on my pizza i cut it up and i rip it really 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 tiny little pieces um all over the pizza yeah yeah i know i, d- I don't put the salami on whole it's just <laughs> it's just something that i've always done and and i just love it that way so um yeah for me, the, the the less on a pizza, um, uh, the better it is for me. Well, I have to agree with that, Johnny, and we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll definitely have to catch up again soon. Definitely. Thanks for that and thanks for having us on. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPA community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.